Let's get this shit! Hey guys, welcome to episode 8 of Next on the Platform. This week we're on with Shane Nutt and Jack Grady. How are you guys going today? Doing very well. How are you doing, man? Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks both of you for coming on. This is this is actually our first episode with a coach and their athlete or just two people at all, actually. So um, I hope there's no like delay or anything in the audio. You guys can hear me all good? Yep. Perfect. That's fine. Um, so... For off the bat, how is training going right now for both of you guys? Uh, do you have any meets coming up? Jack, go ahead. Uh, I get collegiate NAS in April. Um, so it's going pretty well right now, I would say. I mean, what do you think, Shane? We both have collegiate NAS in April. So <laughs> I think training for both of us uh, is just going pretty good. So with Jack, um, we, we've we've had hiccups in the past with his training and just because he's he, he adapts very very well and very fast to training and like he's a hard worker he's he he works his ass off i'm just gonna say that and um but the a, a common mistake that a lot of uh i think coaches and lifters like in that in that relationship that they'll have is they like to push it way too fast way too early um, but so that's, that's something we're definitely managing and, and that's how, you know, Jack's evolved as a lifter. He's just becoming, uh, such a better athlete in that sense is that he's becoming more reserved and when he goes, he can go. Mm. So his training is going really, really well right now. Um, and he's, he's going to put up a pretty big total. So April, that's um, what you guys are like seven, eight weeks out at this point. Yeah. yeah seven, seven weeks out. Seven weeks out. So, like, you just starting prep now, or like you're a week or so into it? Uh, he's been in prep. He's actually been in about twelve weeks. Um, and the first four weeks of that twelve weeks is is kind of <laughs> for him. Everything is high volume most of the mm. time, um, as you said earlier. Uh, but with him, it's more of accessory based and stuff that we try to work around his weaknesses and, and pinpoint those things. Yeah. Um. It's just interesting, Before like we that's start, like ten weeks. Yeah, well, that's like a long, like for example, he's been, he's been in, he's been in prep Sorry, for. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. He's been in prep for like twelve weeks. Um, a lot of lifters wouldn't call it prep that far out. So you're just uh, categorizing that as prep because obviously it's obviously it's for the competition. But like um, yeah. most, but some people would say like eight weeks is is their prep. Yeah, so eight weeks is usually when we start really pushing stuff and really tracking stuff but i i would say you know 12 weeks i I call that prep just because i i that last off season phase going into the last eight weeks is what i is i still consider that a very dire part in in the programming so that's what just call the prep yeah and so uh one thing i notice on jack's instagram is you're always doing high reps uh I want to know yep. Shane's approach to that and then how also you, how you feel about that. Cause I know a lot of lifters will um, sort of tend to graduate towards like they want to do singles and, and they want to do triples, but you seem to enjoy that, that like six, seven rep range. I think it's all dependent on the person. Um, I think if you have a high work capacity, you can get away with it. I don't think that there's one size fits all when it comes to the amount of volume you do. Obviously you get a, it's accustomed to, different people so um with me 
I tend to do really well and get really strong with like sets of seven. Um, but I think a lot of people would say that's too much. Um, but I just, I've always had a really strong lower body from skating. So that's just really easy for me to adapt to the workload, um, especially loading a lot of volume on my quads, um, which is the big key for me. Uh, that's how I get really strong. So, yep. You said skating. I almost said skateboarding, but you must mean ice skating. Yes. Yes. Okay. That makes more Correct. sense. Correct. Yep. Um, so yeah, like you, in your, so you're a conventional puller, like, uh, you tend yep. to, and I don't, I, I'll ask you, you, do you feel that in your quads a lot? Cause the way you pull seems to look like oh, it's definitely, definitely, yeah, quads yep, definitely my back and my quads. Yeah. yeah. I load the most. Um, I tend to drive my knees pretty far forward too. Um, when I pull, uh, mm. so it just kind of gets me in that explosive position. Mm. And, and, and that that's sense. that's sort of like you obviously got a huge deadlift, but some some people or some coaches might argue that that like you might be setting too low and you need to use your hamstrings and that more. How did you? Because uh, obviously you didn't find that form when you first got into training. That would have been something that you eventually found. Yeah, adapted over time. Um, mm. Yeah, I would say uh, it definitely. My hips used to be quite higher when I first started pulling, um, but as far as uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I have really strong quads, so mm. I can get away with it. I don't, I mean, for most people, it's probably not the most efficient thing, but um, I think if you come from, you know, playing ice hockey or any form of skating, it's, uh, that's where you get the most power is through your quadriceps. So um, I just try to utilize that and be as explosive as I can, um, which is the main thing, so. Do you do you feel like quite a quite a big fatigue carryover between that and your low bar squat, or are you? Because like yeah, I, I, definitely, definitely, um, and that's where we run into issues. Uh, yes. I've been dealing with patellar tendonitis, um, so I'm actually bringing my stance out and changing mm. my shoes so I can because I squat pretty narrow too. Mm. Yeah, very so, quad dominant. Um, and- yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I definitely. Um, I used to do a lot of RDLs and I mean, I definitely have a strong posterior chain. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, I definitely get kind of like a fifth gear of power through my quads. So, um, but I definitely noticed even with like a few inches with my feet, uh, I can make a huge difference of what I'm using. So if I bring my feet really close and then I'm driving my knees forward, um, that's where I can load my legs a lot, which is good. Helps me. Yeah. So, it's it's yeah. sort of like it's unconventional. Like, uh, I I don't think I've ever seen anyone pull with such a quad dominant stance. Like, um, sure, but it, it's it is aesthetically pleasing. I actually like I enjoy watching watching <laughs> your deadlifts because it's. Oh, thank it's, you. But no, just like when I when I watch other people deadlift, it's like very similar amount of focus. Um, very similar. Like, and of course, it's all like Aiden and uh, those other lifters. I enjoy watching them, but then I scroll through and I see yours, and I'm like. It's just nice to look at someone doing something differently like, that it's against the gradient of like common because most people would say use your hamstrings more but it's it's refreshing to see someone who's like found something that works for them and might not be yeah. supported by the studies or whatever but you know it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shane, how do you juggle his fatigue? Like obviously there's going to be more fatigue in his squat. How do you juggle that for him? So... 
it is very, very challenging, actually, um, because again, with him saying he's he's narrow on everything. And with my experience, I was also narrow. I was very narrow. I was like shoulder width when I used to squat. I am no longer like that because I came in. I uh, had a lot of overuse injuries, um, like bursitis of the hip and the greater trochanter area, um, just because my my IT bands would get so tight over time. And uh, with him, he kind of gets. Uh, the, the knee tendonitis because he he's constantly pounding obviously like we you said earlier the the high reps like he expressed he expressed he simply expresses strength out of high reps if we linear progress down into you know what the general like linear progression scheme would be mm-hmm. um like block linear progression so if you're doing the i don't know you go from nine sevens and sixes down to uh five four three two ones so on and so forth the basic scheme he does not carry over his strength, no matter how much volume I give him in terms of like accessory movements and to carry that fitness because uh, that, that, that plays a huge role in uh, your strength is the amount of volume that you're carrying. So mm-hmm. the fitness that you have. So that's what, that's what's flawed in, in, in most block linear progressions is that they, they don't keep their volume up as they're going down and then they start to plateau and they're like, what's happening? I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be doing heavier weights. Mm. I peaked Jack off sixes going yep. into the meet yeah, where he just last, pulled. Uh, yep, and what'd you pull? Last, <laughs> my last uh, um, comp was he had me do a single and then a four by six after. Like pretty <laughs> yeah. heavy too. Like I upper 500. So Man. Um, like and, I did a single yeah. 720 and then did a four by six of five. I think it was like 573 or something. Yeah. So. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I like it a lot, actually. Um, I just, I know it works. If you can handle that volume, I think a lot of people get injured from it, though. A lot of people can't handle that fatigue. Um, yeah. That just is all dependent on the person. But I actually, a uh, kid I know, he's uh, he was working with a guy, and he was doing a lot of singles recently, and he burnt himself out. And I think that there definitely needs to be a balance. Um, I'm not saying that it doesn't work for people, obviously, you see some of the flex guys and they're continuously getting stronger, but I think Shane's method with me works really well. Um, because like you said, you tend to plateau if you can't keep up that volume, but obviously some people uh, can't handle all that volume. So that's just, and, you got to yeah. take your recovery it's just, seriously. It's, it's the thing outside Jack. the gym. Yeah. And it's particularly just, it, it has to do with the athlete too, because like if you have an athlete and you've ran them through three or four different kinds of methods and schemes and rep ranges, and you notice that like, Hey, they're getting substantially stronger off of this scheme right here. Mm-hmm. And you repeat it and you get this data that tells you he's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. You, you take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, you can follow all the basic methods and, and principles of training as you should, but also pay attention to, the data that you're receiving from the sheets and the lifter and with balancing his training the biggest thing for me i i believe is just and it's a mistake that a lot of coaches and a lot of athletes i mean i wouldn't say all the coaches but a lot of athletes younger athletes is that they constantly want to go 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 they want to increase 10 15 20 pounds um every single week and that's just not sustainable over a long period of time your body cannot do that over a long period of time especially eight to ten weeks um now don't get me wrong some people can do that but for the general population that's not going to happen and you're not gonna uh you're probably gonna plateau and just 
hit a roadblock where you have to over a span of weeks just kind of coast is what i call it mm. i think one of the things with that like uh single work and and obviously it works for some people i know people personally that it works for in australia uh but i think one of the aspects of it is that mental burnout where every week you're thinking i have a heavy single today i have a heavy single today and it's like after a few weeks like obviously that's taxing for me personally i have a heavy single tonight and i can't stop thinking about it um and i know over a period of a few weeks, I would have to assume that that causes some mental burnout and not to mention the risk of injury is higher with higher percentages and stuff. But I just think uh, when you, for example, when you have like reps like Jack does, uh, you become more uh, grateful, I guess, for that opportunity to have a single. And I just think uh, mentally, obviously both sides have advantages and disadvantages physically, but I think mentally uh, training conservatively with higher volume and then being really grateful and appreciative of when you do get singles, uh, which doesn't happen as much. I think that's a, po- a really a positive thing about the training that Jack does and then some of the training that I do as well. Yeah, and I, I agree was, with uh, the, the single work. It was nice uh, too because um, I uh, undershot my last deadlift, so we knew uh, that I was even stronger than that. Um, so I, I feel like it didn't run the risk of um, – I feel like I just underestimate how strong I got from the volume too, which is a perk because, I mean, obviously if you're doing a lot of heavy singles and then you go for a certain number and then that puts you more uh, injury risk too. So um, I think that helped a lot. I just felt really good, really fresh because I wasn't doing uh, singles at such a high percentage for so long. And Shane, how did you – so like you've been working with Jack for two years. I want to know – Jack, how you found Shane, but also Shane, how you, uh, how quickly and how you found out that Jack was going to be one of your high volume lifters. Uh, go ahead, Jack. How'd you, how'd you find me? Um, so I used to follow guys like Dawson, Winham, and um, I wasn't too familiar with powerlifting, but I was in college and I didn't really have like kind of a backbone. I was just you know, in school and um, just trying to figure out, like, if there's something that I could be doing with my time other than schoolwork and work, what what's going on. And um, so I found Shane through Dawson. Uh, I think Dawson was kind of hosting Shane a lot. And then I kind of learned about Shane. And uh, he took off on social media for a few years and um, hitting incredible numbers and – I just love to deadlift and he was obviously really good at it. So, um, and he, uh, I watched a podcast with, uh, what's his name, Shane, the big guy. Yeah. Yep. So I watched podcasts and, uh, I really liked the information that Shane was giving out and he was super genuine. Unlike a lot of these people on fitness that are kind of clowns. Um, Mm. they're just, uh, I feel like a lot of people are doing it for the wrong reasons. And it seemed like, Shane just really cared about the sport. So I was just like, okay, I can write him and see what happens. And sure enough, we went from there. Yeah. And, and okay. So from there, Shane, walk us through what happened. So, yeah, I took on Jack and I actually, I wish I could have, I pulled up the spreadsheets and looked back at all the data that we kind of had going on in the beginning. Um, but 
I just, it was actually right off the bat that I knew that Jack was going to be, like you said, like you asked me, like if you, a high volume lifter, someone who expresses strength naturally just through these higher intensities and not so much, uh, I mean, higher intensity, uh, high reps rather than uh, high intensity in the, uh, the lower reps. It just doesn't carry over in a block. So that simply, that's just what happened is that I noticed that that trend is strong, 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 strong after the first four weeks of, you know, the eight week prep. And then all of a sudden when I start to drop things, everything starts going south. Mm. And then it was repetitive. Like it happened one or two blocks and I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do because you hitting your heavies. And I, and I want to say this too. I use singles as tools and I, I preach that to my lifters all the time is that the singles, you should not be going, you know, RP nine, RP 10 on singles all the time. Like that's not good. Like, and obviously every 10 is like kind of out of the picture because you're maxing out at that point. But like, a lot of people say like, oh, RP9 with fatigue. So that means that I have 30 pounds in a meet. No, it does not. It absolutely mm -hmm. does not. Because if anything in a meet, it's, it's a completely different situation. You may be cutting weight, so on and so forth. So it should just be a tool to work in the upper rep ranges and ride, as Nori says, ride the wave um, on 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 that, uh, how you feel. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't take the highs way too high and the lows mm -hmm. way too low. So um, I really, I really knew that he was a, a high volume lifter just from watching his data and how he trained. Um, and I knew that he had a, he was an endurance sport athlete. This guy is like, a, he's amazing at skating. I, I watched him skate and it's like a 40 mile an hour pickup truck. <laughs> right across the ice. And, um, it, it, he's, he's, he's huge. He's like, how tall are you, Jack? Uh, like six, two, six, three. Six two, I'm, I six know, three. Probably not quite six three, but yeah, definitely over six two. What do you what do you think, what do you think, Shane? What do you think about common mistakes and and uh, and misconception with nutrition and, and specifically in the youth because that is where I would see it most. Uh dude, the milk the milk craze. What is up with this? I just want to say off the bat, yeah. milk milk is disgusting, and then continue. <laughs> okay, so I'm lactose intolerant, but we're the only species that that. We're not supposed to have the enzymes that, that break down milk after birth, okay, after infancy. We're not. And we're the only species that goes out and tries to get milk from some other source, like, after that. And it, it's just it, it's just not good. So when, when, you, when you stop, when you take out that milk, right, for, from your diet for a while, those enzymes in your stomach naturally go away like they're supposed to. But then they never come back. Most of the time they never come back for people who take milk. So, and, and that causes like a lot of just like, just gastrointestinal, like, issues. yeah, it, it's, I yep. mean, obviously you get lactose intolerant and then you just kind of like shit your brains out. But, <laughs> but I think that, okay, the milk, I don't really get the milk thing. I get that it is an easy carb source. Okay. It's, it's an easy, easy carb source. I get that it's just high calorie, but I don't know. <laughs> But I, I wanted to bring it. There's nothing in particular. I just think like the milk craze is kind of weird. No, I but, think it's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, the carbs think, over sugar too. So that's just I, like, that's just not, I don't know. I would rather get yeah. more Check the added sugars in from, those things. From complex carbohydrates mm -hmm. and like stuff that's going to digest really slow, but have a lot of fuel and carry over. 
like yeah, e- even from like right even even from milk say like uh like some sort of oats and maybe and maybe you don't like taste of oats put like honey on top or whatever like there's yeah. there's like milk is i don't understand it because i don't like milk i don't even like having too much on my spoon with cereal um so i could never drink a glass of milk and i have friends that do i think it's gross but like uh if you're resorting to if if you need to resort to milk you've probably gone wrong somewhere earlier on in the day and you've probably done something wrong with your nutrition like if you if before bed you're lacking in all these calories and all these macros then you you need to look back at the the day before and and go where did i go wrong what led me to have so much left over uh at night time and how can i fix it that you know maybe like you mentioned that some people do have that financial issue where like money is a problem and obviously that's hard and, and i'm not speaking about those people but yeah if i think if you're resorting to milk then you've definitely gone wrong earlier on in the day or at some other point yeah i think okay so i think we're touching on the <laughs> the the diet i think the the variety i think a lot of people like variety and there's like jack said earlier there's a problem with that because of all the micronutrients that you need from different foods is very important because you can have all these energy sources you can have your fats proteins okay but and carbs but like if you don't have the micronutrients to keep everything running and you need all of them yeah you're gonna feel like you're, it's it's a, a slippery slope down yep. dude like it's just not good your body's not gonna work properly you're not gonna heal properly you can get sick easier um, your energy, the way that you burn energy is not going to be as efficient. So, you know, macro micronutrients, you know, all the vitamins and minerals, those are very, very important. And if you're not eating, you know, eight to seven, or I mean, eight to 10 vegetables and fruits and vegetables, servings, of vegetables a day, like you're not even reaching the minimal qualities of your micronutrients. Mm. I feel like I'm definitely one of those people that need to check their micros because like I feel strong and uh, going into a session, I'll have energy uh, and that sort of thing. But uh, I think I'm tired a lot and uh, on my rest days, I feel like towards the end of the week, like I'm very run down. Yeah, and and it's definitely in tune with like the training. So it makes sense to be fatigued towards the end of the week, towards the end of the block for me. But uh, I think the being tired all the time, even when I'm, I sleep well, I have a good sleep schedule. I'm getting eight hours almost every single night, uh, minimum. But I think, yeah, I'm still tired all the time. If I have a really like, say I sleep nine hours one night, I'm tired in the morning. I'm still tired as soon as I wake up. And I think yeah. it's a lack of attention to the micros. And that's something that I've recognized when I had a conversation with a mate recently. Uh, and it, it is, it is cause of that lack of variety, but yeah, I, I, I definitely don't get eight to 10 servings of vegetables a day and I don't eat any fruit. So there is certainly an issue uh, that I need to fix. And this sort of makes me re- makes me realize the importance of it. But uh, I think it's easy to look over it like I have for so long. Hammer zinc and B6. Zinc and B6. Yeah. <laughs> if, That's uh, as simple as that. You need the thing with the, the good thing with um my fitness pal is it's got the the micros at the bottom oh, and and I'll usually and I'll, I'll sometimes I scroll down and I have a look and they're they're all like pretty high they're pretty close to the uh, it must be just from the foods that I eat um yeah but certainly not not enough fruit and vegetable just because uh it's sort of like the bro ideology of oh uh, you like because when you start the gym you're not really told eat your fruit and vegetables you're told like because some idiot will always tell you like eat like this and I had I had one of the cleaners at one of the gyms tell me 
to have six protein shakes a day and actually ended up offering us steroids. So it's like uh, very influential when you start the gym and you sort of get those the wrong ideas that are sort of hard to shake as well down the line. Um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah, I think it's plain and simple. You just need your micronutrients, man. You need your micros, your macros, and, in, in, you know, you need your ducks in a row. <laughs> for sure if you yeah. don't have those after a while it's going to catch up to you yeah i think i think we could talk i think there's a lot of issues with the nutrition and stuff but um i want to know shane how you got into coaching because uh, i i want to be a coach one day uh, i'm i'm getting experience now i want to know like how you got into coaching and then when you decided when or in your opinion now as an established coach looking back um when to make that decision, oh, I'm, I'm worth charging money now. And, and how do you figure out your value? Okay. So um, I started originally not even doing powerlifting coaching. So I was, I worked out at this, this commercial gym uh, back in high school, probably my, from my sophomore year to um, ever, ever since I still lift there every once in a while when I'm back at home, but uh, I would lift there all the time after school. Um, when I was in football and then, uh, a trainer that I came pretty good friends with, he was like, Hey, you should come train. You should learn how to personal train. Cause like, I was talking to him about like just general things that I had known about fitness. And he, he thought that I had like, uh, interest in it. So he was like, yeah, yeah, come like, let's, let's go get you like this. Well, I don't even remember what kind of certification it was, but he just got me this like little certification thing and whatever. It was like $25 or some shit. And <laughs> I didn't even know if it was real. Honestly, I was so young, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then I did it online and did that. And he's like, yeah, I'll be quick. And I started training these old people, just like basic principles of training. Just honestly, just Googling shit. Like, <laughs> like, like that's, that's all it was. And, and eventually I, like, I was just training like the general public, no athletes, no nothing. And, uh, I was a fit guy, but besides the fact, so what actually got me into coaching powerlifting was that I was a powerlifter on my high school team. And then all of a sudden, like I started getting, finding interest in like actually coaching these kids. I'm like, I, I should try to learn how to do this stuff. So it was a lot of trial and error, but I did everything for free. I coached, I think by senior year of high school, I had like 50 clients and like a lot of them, uh, that I went first set. I was like, you know, I did a lot of trial and error first, so like trying to figure it out. And I would, I did not, I was not efficient at it at first. Absolutely not. But I did get results. Um, not as efficient as I am now. Like now I have It basically down pat to the point where I'm confident in it. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because like I didn't charge, I was coaching like 50 kids, people, and like a lot of them, like I think only like four or five of them I was actually charging. So I was doing all of this work for free just because I was like, it was cool to see people progress and like underneath like what I was giving them and, and you know, people trusted me and that was, that was worth a lot to me. So I did that for a while. And as I went off to college and stuff, I started um, picking up more athletes that were a lot more experienced and uh, dropping other athletes that wouldn't even fill out their sheets and do all this and, and basic stuff. <laughs> what are you smiling for Jack? <laughs> so, but like, 
dude like when it becomes so i i was coaching for like 20 20 bucks a month you know i was making like i don't know 100 dollars a month doing this whatever like with some kids that were they're doing well they're progressing well my first clients that i actually charged Noah Heda, zach wagner and tony moss so shout out to them that was four and a half years ago almost five I think. And I still remember them just because of, you know, the relationships that I created with people were just amazing. I started coaching like a, a, like a bunch of kids that were like, a lot, you know, it's progressively gets better. And honestly, man, once you become confident enough is you should, you should have a rate that's around a hundred USD just because you're going to get kids that have their parents pay for their stuff. And they are just, they don't care. They they have no skin in the game. They have no collateral. Like, oh, I'm not losing anything. My mom's paying for this. My dad's paying for this. <laughs> so I'm just going to blow off on this program. When you're putting all this time and analyzing programming and trying to figure out what's best for them and prepping out 12 weeks, that takes a long time, especially when you have 25 to 30, 35 athletes. It's a lot of time that you don't want wasted. Um, but as far as like when you – if you're confident and you know that – this is what I'm going to give someone. And this is I X plus Y equals Z. If you can give that to someone, this is what's going to happen. And then you can alter it, say something bad happens or anything, any variable that changes, anything that happens in programming, you're confident with uh, giving them something new to fix the problem, constantly getting better in every movement, everything that you do, every problem. Uh, that's when you should know that you know, you're worth that you're worth something. And, you know, these clients are constantly progressing. Now you need to be honest with their clients and what you know and what you do not know. Um, Cause as a coach, like they're trusting you and they're investing you. If, they, if they're, it's their money, if it's their money, anyway, <laughs> they're investing in you um, and your knowledge and your experience. Okay. So I've coached hundreds of athletes, and I've, I've been honest with all of them. Hey, this is my first year in programming, coaching kids. I've, I've put in three years of like coaching myself, coaching a couple other people for free. Um, I'm going to charge you $50 a month. And this is what I know. This is what I've done being honest, you know, and then no BS, but, um, that's, that's kind of how I went about it. And you just got to be honest and, and be there for the lifter. Uh, and you can't just use, you can't, I didn't start it initially for the money. I thought of it because I, like I said, I started it just because I wanted to train people. I was like, no, that'd be cool. So, and it originally, it eventually got into, uh, into powerlifting in itself. So, um, and it gets to the point where you coach kids and it's, it's literally the best. It's the most fulfilling thing that I've ever, I've ever felt is seeing kids like Jack prepping two, two years worth of, of constant progress and, and constant, um, setbacks and then overcoming those things together and then seeing them, you know, actually finally hit the nail right on the head and, and just completely destroy their goals. That's, that's amazing. Like it, it, it feels so good because there's so much hard work that goes into it. Um, Jack, how many times a week do you call me? <laughs> uh, on enough. average. Enough. Enough, right? So Jack's one of 20 of my clients and I talk to Jack just as much as I talk to Noah um, and a couple of other guys that I've had for a long, long time. But 
all of my other clients, they know that if they call me, I'm going to pick up. I, I, I'm going to call them. I'm there for them. So this is very much my life. And I love these guys with everything that I have um, just because I'm so invested in them as well. Yeah. I think so I, I, I envy that. Like I want to be a powerlifting coach and, and I, I'm in the process right now. So like I ask you because I'm going through what you spoke about at the very beginning. And so, uh, except the certificate certificate I'm getting is four and a half grand um, it's in Australia, it's like a six months thing and to get a, like a personal training thing. Right. Uh, and right now I don't coach any powerlifters. I'm learning from just like general population. They just want to get stronger. They want to get bigger. Um, but they don't want to compete. They're not powerlifters. Um, so that's one thing that I still need to get experience on is like with an actual powerlifter who in running someone into a meet, which is obviously one of the more difficult things to do. Um, but I think, like I'm just wondering what else can I do? Cause you know, I'm reading eBooks and I'm coaching like five guys right now. So getting experience and I'm getting my personal training certificate and you know, like I'm working on a website. So eventually when I started up, I have all this base stuff. Um, but like, is there like something that really sped up your knowledge or a group? Competing. I think going to a meet and uh, my, my second meet I did six months ago, was uh so i'm in the the federation with the deadlift bar so you can can you can compete untested so i went to this meet with these big untested guys like 140 kilos benching uh, and um, squatting well like you know they're not that strong but they were squatting well over 300s huge guys and it's like that is such a humbling experience to go from just a commercial local gym uh, where you you think oh yeah I probably know more than most of these guys and that ego aspect of it and then you go into a meet and even at a hundred whatever I was kilos hundred and six kilos I'm the smallest guy there and uh, I think a lot of people and you know I I did speak about Tyson in last week's episode uh, and sort of clowned him a bit for because this was on the day that King of the Lifts posted him. Um, and I, and I even reached out to him after I was like, Hey man, we just did this on the podcast. I said this, I'm just giving you the opportunity to justify it. If you want to come on and talk to me about it, I'll give you the chance to, um, explain yourself. And he just left me on red. So obviously he doesn't care about, <laughs> it's fine. Like, you know, whatever, what, whatever reason he left me on red, you know, I don't care, but I, I did give him the opportunity to explain himself. So Jed, if you do have something to say about him, fine. Cause I did give him the opportunity. No, I'm not. I mean, I don't know him personally. Sure. He's a nice enough kid. I'm just saying it's, I don't think it's a good idea to be charging kids unless you've actually, you know, are well versed. Mm-hmm you know, in a real federation and, you know, you've been competing for a while. I definitely think that helps more because I, you know, he's given the same rate uh, as Shane and, you know, and I had a, yeah, he gives, my he fr- gives good of, guys like so me a friends, bad rap. <laughs> yeah, one, of my, one of my friends, for real. Decided to, he was trolling with them and he was asking, you know, his rates and you know, he's talking like, you know, I think it was like a hundred to $200, maybe like $150 or something monthly it's like I, I spoke to a guy who said yeah. it was roughly it was like between 150 and 190 a month and i was shocked i was shocked because like um it because usd is less than so 190 usd is way more australian dollars so i was oh, like yeah. holy yeah. moly so he's yeah. 
two and a half times more than I charge. And I've competed twice and I'm halfway done a, a personal, like I'm halfway through my certificate and I'm charging two and a half times less than him just because he, what, pulls on bumper plates? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I'm sorry that I, you know, I'm sorry to everyone who doesn't follow me on Instagram because I don't use straps and pull on bumper plates and I actually train on real equipment. But like, you can't, unfortunately, that one big deadlift is not enough to, and this doesn't, I'm not just speaking about him. Like, this is an issue that I see. It's like, uh, people market themselves because they're strong. It's like, strength does not equal uh, intelligence. You need to establish experience for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I was exactly what I was going to talk about with you is that you asked me what things mm. uh, can really kind of flip that switch into to being I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself an elite coach but an experienced coach is that is the experience it trumps all you can have any certificate in the world but that doesn't teach you how to deal with adverse uh, diverse a diverse diverse crowd of of clients you know mm. like like you were asking me earlier like hey how does Jack why is Jack training like this but he's completely different and he his spreadsheet's a hundred percent different than any other kid that i coach mm. any other person and you know people don't get that it's, it's just not it's not cookie cutter it's literally a craft it's it's a trade it's just a skill that you have that you you constantly practice and learn um based off just what you do every single week with these kids and uh to the people who are marketing themselves uh, you know, taking advantage of those kids, those kids aren't real powerlifters anyway, because yeah. the kids that are really serious about it, they know, would know. Yeah. They, they know that the real people are not going to market themselves based off their lifts. I don't, mm. I don't say, Oh, I pull, I pulled 765 on a deadlift bar, hit my DM, DM for coaching. coaching. <laughs> yeah, DM for coaching. I say, yeah, I uh, say, look, this is what I did with this 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 guy over a span of a year two yep. years this is what we've done together look at the great relationships that i create with my clients you know these guys are just they're like my life now they're consumed they're like a second girlfriend <laughs> okay um especially this one okay especially this one um and i love the kid to death and uh you know just don't don't worry about those kids that are they're, they're weed out kids. You're going to have kids that are just going to come and go and treat you like garbage or, you know, the ones that are invested like Jack, you know, I could have dropped Jack like three times because he was growing, he was growing as an athlete and I didn't want to deal with it because it was almost too much because I don't charge him a lot. And at, at some times with Jack, it was, it was, it was stressful. It's very stressful. My friends will like, they don't powerlift. They don't even lift weights. They'll send me a TikTok. They'd be like, ha 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 powerlifter. And it's like some dude who just pulled like four plates and on bumpers. And they're like, it's getting this image of like powerlifting is if you have access to it, it's competition equipment and it's competing in actual meets. It's not just doing SBD during the week to call yourself a powerlifter, you got to be like, you're going to compete or you have competed. And it does get a bad rap. I think in that aspect, like, um, compared to, you know, like, uh, Sean and Johnny were talking about the bench press rules and, and the, the image that powerlifting is getting and, and that sort of thing. And those arguments were fine, but I think it's also, um, the fact that these kids are calling themselves powerlifters and they're not, that's the exact stuff I want on the podcast. Like that sort of thing. I want you guys opinions. 
I think that's the idea of like the mental fatigue in that you have to have yeah. something else. So for me, I'm on holidays from university right now, but I have uni and a girlfriend and, and all those sort of things yeah. that like take my mind off the gym. And yeah, like sometimes it, like today, especially because I'm going for a PR, it is consuming my thoughts. I couldn't stop thinking about it last night. But like when I'm in a normal training block, I'll think about it an hour before and, and, and that sort of thing and the, uh, before a session. Um but yeah, like the the balance thing where I, I was always I've I, I was never a big drinker. Um, my family doesn't at all really, so I was never in that sort of party aspect of it. But um, so I've been training for three years. This in a few weeks, it's about three years. And and in, in since I turned eighteen, I, I've had maybe gone out three times. Um, for, and one of those was actually on my birthday. So I'm not a big drinker, but like. Um, last week I had one of my best mates, probably my best mate, I guess. Um, we've been friends for over 10 years. He moved to, he moved away. So only an hour away and I'll still see him, but his birthday, uh, we went out. And so, and at the time I was four weeks out. So I had this dilemma of, do I drink and go out with my mate? Um, even though I have a heavy deadlift single two days later and I sort of had to toss up between like, obviously our friendship matters more than this prep. But it was like, do I enforce that self-control? Do I go and just stay sober? Do I, you know, and and I ended up going and drinking and, and I had heaps of fun. And then turns out the deadlift single went better than I could have ever asked for. Because uh, um, he, I, when, I, uh, when he took custody of me as a little kid, and I'd still visit my mom on the weekends until she, she left the state. She moved out uh, west. Like, I, I, I don't even know where she lives, but... Um, him taking over, playing both roles, um, that was really uh, key for me because he basically had to like remodel like who I am now because I was like a mess coming coming from like being around like a single mom all the time, just constantly in a stressful environment uh, with you know just really shitty people, and I I had I didn't have like structure with her. So I was like always really hard on myself as even as a young age with like my diet and stuff. And that was kind of became like an obsession for me um, to like, like with nutrition. So I got into it at a really young age, but I, I was always um, very fast on skates and I didn't, I didn't want to like slow down because I didn't, um, that would obviously hurt like the key aspect of my game. But um, I, what I didn't realize is like, I should have been eating the whole time to like kickstart puberty. So it delayed it quite a bit. Um, but then it became like an over obsession, like I said, in college where I was just eating like shit. And that's where I ran into that. But I think just moving in with my dad, he just kind of helped me become more disciplined. And I think that a lot of kids could use more of that. That's just what I see today. I think so one of the, the thing, like you mentioned, uh, you see a lot of kids in fitness with like single parents. I think, uh, and I can't yeah. speak from experience, but I think that people, that outlet, fitness can be that outlet for people where uh, there be something stressful going on in their life and they graduate towards fitness or powerlifting or, you know, whatever it is. I think yep. some people, it's that outlet. And I think that if you come into it as an outlet, I think that is when it can become very overwhelming and, and um, such a huge part of your day. Uh, because it, it's gone for, it's that comfort thing for you where you can rely coping. on yeah it's a coping, it's coping. mechanism yeah and a lot of yeah. kids i feel bad too because uh 
uh, a lot of kids like they'll they'll be picked on in school. You see the common trend: the skinny, the skinny quote ectomorph kids who are being picked on at school. And then it's like you know they, you see these like you know transformation videos where you know they pack on a lot of um, Dave, David Lade. Yeah, exactly, David Lade. Um, so I think that's, but I think that's bad because you're coping. It's like a lot of kids too who like can't fit in either and i think um you eventually a lot like it's like the high school phase where kids are a lot more clicky and judgmental because they just the maturity is just not there yet and then you get to college and it's like you you did all that work mm. to get bigger and stronger thinking that like you know you you know you get to be either left alone or people are going to start respecting you they don't and care. then you get to college and it's like no one fucking cares it's, um yeah. so <laughs> this is another thing too because I, I think a lot of a lot of uh young men will they think like oh you know and you're seeing it it's i think it's great that people are taking care of their bodies but i think when men are trying to do it to get women that does not work because <laughs> they yeah, don't care I, either because a lot of these kids they can't even talk to girls so mm. like if you're if you have an issue with that, like if, you, if you can't hold a conversation with a woman, and then, and then uh, you know you think that like your body is gonna get your foot in the door, and I think it does help because you need that you need that initial attraction. Hey, that's okay? what happened. That's what happened. So it, it does beach. like that. Those those like first twenty seconds, like it gets your foot in the door. But then, like, and then, then you, then they like, talk to you, like, and then you're like, you're like, and then they realize that you're a kilos. What's your Wilkes? Where, where <laughs> they don't women care that you benched two seventy five in high school. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, as far as like the whole like fitness thing, and like these guys are like, oh, I want to be, you know, aesthetic, you know, the the sick cunt movement, you know, with like Ziz and all that. That Ziz like, movement, I'm sorry, it's the most cringe yeah, thing of all time. Uh, it's just cringe. It's, it's just so cringe. It's so cringe. It's yeah. so, I, I, I'm glad that you agree um, because I feel like I see the Ziz thing all the time and like he gets tagged and shit, even though like, and rest in peace. But like, it's so cringe. I don't understand like that aesthetic. Can someone like, explain to me what this is? I have no idea. So Ziz so, is like- you know like Jeff side? You yes, know Jeff. Side? Jeff. Shane? Jeff side. Yeah, Jeff's the dude that oh no, that's John. John Skywalker is the guy. Yeah, Skywalker. no, same as him. Yeah. Same as him, so yeah. Ziz, so Ziz started. Ziz is like the first like the steroid abuser. Like, mm. Yeah, it's like aesthetics and you go to raves and like you'd see him like just walking around with like really short shorts and you know, no no shirt on. He's ripped and like and it's <laughs> it's creating this image in these like young teens' mind like Mm. Oh, I want to get all like ripped and you know, and the like, lifestyle, so, like chase women. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. Can you hold a conversation though? Like, what about John you know, Skywalker? Are you, are you, you know, and as far as when you get into the real world, like, like what are you doing with your life? Because, mm. um, you know, if you don't have all those things lined up, you're, uh, you're a bum. What about John Skywalker? I think that guy's a clown. That I, I, I um, I commented on something I recently, I, and I got like I, I mean, forty I comments shitting on me. He, I, because he, he promote to me in my eyes they are literally prom like promoting steroids even if they say oh it's doing this to my body or it's even if they say it's bad they're still promoting it because it's still I actually know you know what I actually have a lot of respect for him because he's transparent yeah he's very transparent he's very and you know what I think that is really good 
because then you get the opposite and then you get then you get these like guys who look like a walking chemical and they're claiming natural like that's just who came, Shane, more, who, who came to your mind, up. Shane? Okay, no, I just thought he said, I thought it was funny. He said walking chemical. <laughs> yeah, no, like uh, make a complete judgment on someone until I actually meet them and get to know them. Because I think that a lot of people are, are very different than what they appear to be mm. on social media. Because I think at the end of the day, the motive is for a lot of people is they're trying to make money. Yeah. So, and you, you can know, tell. If you, the money, if you take away the money and you take away. So it's like you want to you want to sit there and look at these people and be like, oh, like that's super cringe or whatever. But it's like these people are just trying to survive. Like this is their way. This is their um, their only outlet to income for them, at least, even though you should be thinking outside the box. I think that the guys that I respect the most are people who just like have real jobs outside mm. of this. Like you know, Atwood. Atwood's like a financial. Yeah. Atwood's so, like a financial. Taylor Atwood's like a yes, financial advisor yes, or yep. whatever. Yep. Exactly. Um, you know, and you look at Shane, uh, you know, he wants to go physical therapy route. I think that's great because that, that's like a, as a, first of all, it's a very like stable career. You know, you open up your own practice, everything. And then he has the weightlifting too with that. So I think that's like a very synergistic combination. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I think that it's, it's really important to not rely because it's one of those things, I think it's very saturated now, but it'll mm. pro- there's going to be some new trends and people are going to gravitate towards that. I think it'll always be there. Mm. But the more people that are in it too, the more competitive it is. Because I think if you you look at even like the, the strength that people are expressing now, in like especially in the USAPL, like these numbers were almost like non-existent probably 10 years ago. Like people, I, I guess like for young, young guys, mm. like – now, look just, at, I think that more people at, are getting into it. It's mm. becoming more competitive. And so the demand is higher. And I think that a lot, and I feel bad because there are um, a lot of these kids who are relying on the, the followers and relying on the subscribers and the TikTok. And I don't, it's, it's hard to make the full judgment on them because they might just be like, you know what? This is my way of making it. This is my way of making money to put food on the table. And that's great, but I think that um, you should either focus on a trade or your education too. And I, but I think that there, the education system is really flawed too. I think that you can Speaking do which, so many things in life outside of like getting a liberal arts college degree. Um, and I think, that, and that, that's the boomer mentality. You know, this is this is the way. This is you have to do it this way. You have to go to school to get a job. I think very differently. So if I'm a firefighter and I want to rank, which is what I plan on doing, well, having that college degree, it does give me a little bit more freedom. But I think that some of the uh, like wealthiest people too, and not that money is everything, but like people going to trades are way better off than all these guys who are in student debt. Mm, they end and up having a business a huge, and stuff. That's a huge problem yeah. too. Mm. what's that they end up like oh, these, yeah, being an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, being yeah. An entrepreneur. yeah i know a guy who's a bodybuilder in in my local area and he like he's got a trucking company and he and he runs a huge thing with like day trading and blah 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 and he seems to have a heap of money and he's a tradie like he's he would i'm assuming he started out as a tradie like um i i went down the route of university because it it was just what interested me i i don't really have an interest in doing a trade what are you studying, Jack? Or are you... 
Um, so I'm studying criminal justice and I might minor in mathematics. Um, but I, I'm not going to use any of that. Most likely I, I'm, uh, I'm hopefully this spring going to begin EMT school. Um, I'm trying to get that all set up and then, um, I can't take the firefighting exam until next year because it's every two years. So once I take that, and if as long as I'm in paramedic school, um, I should be good. You go into a business, like a, like a lot of kids I know at my school, um, that's a lot harder to get on. You know, if I'm, you know, you know, if I if I'm well trained and I pass those exams, right, and then I get on with the fire department, as long as I'm not a total fuck up then, you know, I'm going to stay on. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole idea is for me is to get a pension too. Cause I just, I want that uh, uh, state work as well. Yeah. That makes sense. I really, so. I really admire that you have like a plan in that aspect. Like you have a vision and I think a lot of people are too, are too short term with their vision. I think like, for example, me, um, and one of the topics I want to talk about after this is the degree in relation to strength training and coaching. Yep. Um, but <clears throat> I have a vision like I'm, I just finished my first year. I have three years left. I want to get my certificates and then I want to uh, get a salary for a little bit, potentially open up my own um, clinic as a physio and, and then eventually, and then eventually uh, if the plan is to eventually migrate into um, full-time coaching just for that lifestyle because not only do I love the sport and everything about it, I do admire the lifestyle of being your own boss and you controlling how you work. And obviously there's ups and downs to not having a salary, but uh, I, um, I, I think people need to look ahead and they're being too unrealistic with themselves uh, in the way of their goals and that sort of thing. And they have to realize like uh, at the end of the day, Instagram could get deleted or that TikTok might get banned in America or whatever. And it's like, you can rely on it now. Maybe you have a sponsorship and whatever, but is it sustainable? Will it support you if 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 that platform goes to shit? Um, and, and yeah, and yeah. I think it, for some people, having a degree is a really good thing. And like you might you may not use yours, and as a fiery, you probably won't. Uh, and then on the other hand, there's someone, for example, like myself, where I think I I probably four years of exercise based research and study is going to help me immensely as a coach. So it's just what, what, what's going to work for you. And, and obviously, yeah, obviously yeah. consider the student debt. That's obviously going to cost me, you know, 40 grand. Um, but yeah, it's whatever you love doing. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think there's one size fits all by any means. And I think that if you, you know, for some of these guys who are great lifters and you know, they're, they're able to travel. I'm envious of that. You see a lot of these people who are doing the YouTube and everything and going to Dubai and they have a lot of freedom. And I think that's great. Like you're, you're able to just, you're making income, you know, pick up the camera and you know, you're going to the gym, you know, that's a lot more fun, you know, than some, some of these, you know, jobs that, you know, your typical jobs. Yeah. But I think uh, what I have an issue with is like just the whole social media um, aspect of everything too. Uh, I think it's like, a lot of people that their value and like how they perceive themselves is off of like a number their followers mm. and like a lifter's ability from their following mm. um, because a lot of the clout lifting. And I think that's um, what I was trying to, the whole overall thing is like, there's just, there's a lot more to life. And I think that as a, 
as a young man or woman, I think you should try to become well-versed in a lot of different things because you, you won't truly know, you know, mm. if you love doing it, stick with it. I think you should always have it, but I think that try to spread your wings too a little bit because yeah. you don't, you don't want to be so one dimensional, Yeah. you know? And then, and then when like after your youth, you know, when, you know, you're doing something else, if this dies down, you know, what are, what are your skills? Mm, yeah. Like, you know, you should picked up a camera and lifted a barbell for, and I, and I, Hey, at the end of the day, like it's their lives. Like, I, I mean, I'm just generalizing it. This, the way people are brought up too, that goes largely into like how people perceive one another. Like we tend uh, just, it's human nature. People are very judgmental. They're competitive. And then we obviously want to be right. So we voice our opinions, but then we forget that we came from completely separate homes, backgrounds, teachers, friends, different types of influences. What did you, what did you watch growing up? What type mm -hmm. of media source did you use? So that's I think I social media has made us less social, if anything. Um, it, it certainly, it, it, I've like, when I first got a retail job and talking to customers and, and even since starting the podcast, like my conversation skills outside of those two things. So when I talk to my family or my friends, I can just feel that it has improved so much. And if you compare my uh, social anxiety in episode one to this episode or last episode, it's crazy. The difference is huge. And it's just like, um, it's because I'm not just hiding behind social media. I'm actually having real conversations and that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, with real repetition. people yeah exactly repetition yeah yeah definitely i think uh yeah i think it's definitely it has this positive and negatives um one thing i wanted to talk about and this one's for shane um last week on the podcast i posted about the importance of movement related degrees in strength coaching uh and i'm biased because that's what i'm doing but I think in Australia, at least the standard for personal trainers, and I say personal trainers, not coaches, not powerlifting coaches, is so low. You go into your local gym, it's full of just idiots, you know, and to be, to be, uh, to be nice. And I think, I think it's important, but I want to know what you think. And you're studying, phys what did you say you want to go into the... the I, I, I will graduate with my Bachelor of Arts in Human Performance when I'm done this May. Okay. So what do you so think? What do you what do you think? Uh, like for example, let's compare a coach without a depth, a deep understanding of the body, as say anatomy, for example, compared to one that uh, doesn't have that. Okay, so let's compare. Let's just think of any coach. So uh, Sean, 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 Sean Noriega, right? Uh, what did he do? MIT? I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> it's like one of the best schools in the country. But what did he do okay. there? I think he was doing some right. sort of... Pete said last week it was some biomechanical thing. So, yeah. Okay, so obviously... I, I don't know what kind of courses he took, but obviously Sean knows what he's talking about. Um, but <laughs> I'll tell you my experience with it. Is that I think statistics help. Okay, taking statistics, understanding statistics, like the class, uh, because it, it's you need that to read studies. Mm. Um and when you get experience enough with powerlifting and you want to learn specific things like uh, 
any, any question that you may have that may be related to a study and you don't know how you don't know how to understand the study and how it went and like you know what a p value is or you don't know whatever uh i think that played a huge role in uh just understanding like furthering my knowledge is absolutely just just knowing how to use statistics, I think. Uh, but as far as kinesi, I'm in kinesiology right now, um, motor learning, I've taken anatomy, I've taken exercise phys, all that stuff does not teach you mm. how to be a coach. No. You know, it's like some people think, oh, I'm gonna go get my exercise science major, I'm gonna go get my bio major or whatever. And then you leave, you're, you're in the same exact position that you were when you left high school. I am in the same exact position in terms of uh, clinical knowledge, like like applicable knowledge, um, if I hadn't done my experience, yeah, yeah. theoretically speaking, if I didn't go to college. I mean, it helps to know your anatomy. I could tell you all the muscles in the body, the origin, insertion, innervation, whatever, but what, what does that tell you on how to coach a kid? Mm. Uh, <laughs> or... You know, it's completely experience based, uh, yeah. but you don't get me wrong. You have to have knowledge in like at some point you have to know what these things are. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to do a squat and then not know what muscle group you're working or how that works um, on a biomechanical level. Right. But but how much does that actually attribute to your knowledge and your success as a coach? So you can I can I can pull out probably, I don't know, Garrett Fear. Garrett Fear has not, he didn't, I don't think he went to college. Uh, does not have any background information. Coaches are really good athletes. Mm. Coaches a bunch of really good athletes. Uh, Joe TSA, don't know if he got, I don't know if he has his, if he went to college or whatever. Obviously one of the most world-renowned coaches right now. Um, you know, but all the stuff that you learn, I think in college that you pay for to learn, I feel like you can do that on your own. I feel like you can Google all this stuff. Like half the classes I no three quarters of the classes I take at Midland University is I pay the I pay the college for them to have me pay for a course to teach me the course so they don't have to do anything. All they do is administer. It's Study not the knowledge yeah. that you have. It's what you do with the knowledge that yes. is important. Yeah. The whole point of college undergraduate is not to teach you how to do your craft or your trade. Yeah. It's teach you the prereqs to do that. That's why there's there's master's programs, PhDs. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not, and a lot of people think like, oh, I'm saying like college is completely useless. If not, you need to do it. It's a stepping stone so that you can go like to be a doctor. You can't just mm. be like, oh, you don't need undergrad. Like you obviously <laughs> not an undergraduate, right? So like, but like in, in terms of like, I could have done this. I still can't say that I couldn't have done this without, I couldn't have done be where I am in coaching. Uh without going to college because of the opportunities college gave me. It wasn't school. It wasn't directly the education that I got. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't take back college for anything just because of the, the, the amazing people and, and experiences that I've had and things that I've learned and, and people, like I said, like people that I've met, it's just amazing. Mm. Um, but in terms of like, you know, I think I having, having good, <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know the energy systems, like, like you want to hire a coach that at least knows you know, who it shows that they invested their life at some point in time mm. into the field of exercise science, because then you know that they're actually like, they did the hard work. They did all the stuff that doesn't actually matter that much mm. uh, in order for them to, you know, have those accolades. But overall, like when you're looking for a coach too, you should just be looking at 
who they've been coaching, their time coaching, yep. uh, who they are as, as a person, and what they do for their for their uh, for their clients, uh, the, the the amount of uh, people that stay with them over time, the reviews, ask around, like ask the mm-hmm. coach, have an interview with the coach, but. Honestly, look at, like, look at, look at if I if I knew I was going to be a powerlifting coach, I originally I probably wouldn't have gone to college. But honestly, man, I went to college to be a physical therapist. I still am in line to do that. Uh, I am going to graduate with uh, you know high standings and stuff and, and enough to get in if I want to. But I'm just going to chase my dreams and keep my options open and do what I love to do, which is coach coach and personal train and and i'm gonna see where that takes me yeah that's i mean yeah it's just again like that doing what makes you happy and 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 keeping your options open i guess and what we said before looking down the line no joe's not joe is not a world-class powerlifter no but he's just based on how much he lifts (laughs) and i think um i've seen a lot of kids um have a hard time with that. And I think when, what I've realized recently with Shane is, you know, and, and this is, this is just like general generationally, because we want that instant, you know, like, Hey, you need to respond right away to this. I just sent you this. Um, but that just in the real world, that just doesn't really work. I mean, when I email professors, I sometimes don't hear back from them for several days. Um, so I think that kind of plays a role in um, respecting Shane and respecting you know, that he is also another person. He mm-hmm. has a life. He's in this robot that I just hit a bunch of buttons and I'm going to get out, you know, what I'm looking for as far as feedback. And, um, but he's really good about it. And, um, most importantly, he's been a really good friend to me. Like I will say as mixed as I feel about fitness and weightlifting, I've met all my best, like my closest friends through, weightlifting like i still have friends i grew up with who i'm still close with and you know i got my buddies at school but like my my very best friends um i've all met through weightlifting and it's like when i'm uh you know even with um my two close friends from new hampshire um i I, you probably know the name too dylan crawford he's a good night he used to compete but he was a good 93 and um my friend zach and like we like hardly talk about weightlifting outside, you know, when we're actually on the phone. I think that's like, I think that's really good because it's just, yeah, I, I mean, that, the, that you know, outlet. I, I focus on that and then outside the gym, like just completely separate. You just yeah. keep that separate. And a lot of times, us like Shane and I will just have these types of conversations. And better. like, I hope that anyone who I'm friends with, like, goes far in life. Um, with social media, technology, that the huge downfall is, um, it's just, I mean, it's very artificial. There's no more, um, and you're just seeing the cultural shift too with the pandemic. Um, I think it's just a great reset, you know, just how, how the world works and what we're shifting towards and, mm. you know, how we're communicating um, and your your ability to like, I guess like feel adequate is simply based off of, you know, what's your profile look like? Yeah. That's really unhealthy. Like that's just really bad. Um, so I think that uh, I think it's just better to I don't know I, I just be your most authentic self. When I post this episode, I'll I'll do a little 
I'll get a little excerpt of what you said about Shane and I'll put it in the caption because uh, I definitely do have some young kids who listen and sort of probably are looking for coaches. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll put it in. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll put it in. Yeah. Well, we're, we're coming up on two hours, so I, we have to wrap up. Uh, I think it's going to actually stop recording um, very soon. I'm sure we could continue on and, and I'd love to know your opinion on more stuff, Jet, honestly. Um, and there's definitely some stuff that we didn't get around to so I might be able to have you guys back on uh, maybe after April when you both compete um, so thank you very much for coming on today uh, I'll probably put this episode up tomorrow and yeah if, if you guys are keen to come back on I'll, I'll have you back on we can talk about your mead and, and mistakes and wins and etc etc uh, but yeah just thanks again no, thank you yeah, very thanks much. so much. Have a good lift tonight, man. Oh, thank you. I'll uh, yeah, I'm enjoy. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull two fifty. So so I'll uh, I'll be I'll be looking for yeah. the post. <laughs> You're right, man. Uh, cheers again. For, thanks again for coming on. I I had a lot thank of fun and I learned some stuff too, which is always good. Sorry, Ben, your yeah. ear off. No. <laughs> hey, I told you, man. No, you did say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, so.